following audio is from St Nick's Durham. As a church, we exist to love God, love people and love Durham. We hope that this sermon will serve you well as a supplement to your regular Bible reading, prayer and participation in your local church. For more information about St Nick's Durham, directions or resources, please visit stnicks.org.uk. Our first reading today is from Nehemiah, chapter 8, and reading verses 1 to 10, and that's on page 491 of the Church Bibles. When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra, the teacher of the law, stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. Beside him, on his right, stood Mathathiah, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Maasiah, and on his left were Padiah, Mishael, Malkijah, Hashum, Hashbadana, Zechariah, and Meshulam. Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites, Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shabbethai, Hodiah, Maasiah, Kelita, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan and Peliah instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our God. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And our second reading is Luke chapter 4, verses 14 to 21. 
and that's on page 1031, 1031. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hello, I'm Jamie. I'm a member of the congregation here. And let's pray together. Lord, May I speak, and may we all hear in the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I hope you enjoyed the first hymn this morning, Oh, for a Thousand Tongues to Sing. Now, it would be good if we each had a thousand tongues, or maybe even if there were a thousand tongues present here in this building, although it would be crowded if they were, probably against regulations. But they're in the midst of worshippers as we worship and sing and praise God. And of course, if you were to go to the Teze community in Burgundy in France in the summer in a normal year, a non-COVID, there would be 5,000 young people praising God and together giving God glory. And later, I think Chris is going to lead us in a Teze chant as part of our worship in intercessions, repeating those wonderful words as we come to pray to God. And I'm told that singing is good for us. At least that's what my wife tells me. It improves our lung capacity. It gives us good muscle and strength. And it lifts our spirits. It helps our emotions and those deepest parts of our lives. Singing is good for you, even behind a mask. Better, though, when the day comes when we can take them all off and sing even more joyfully. Singing is a gift that keeps on giving, whether here in church or at St. James's Park or the Stadium of Light or with your karaoke evenings in the pub. Although many have forgotten how to sing, it's good, isn't it, that people like Gareth Malone have been encouraging community choirs. I hope you're singing at home along with everyone else. And Andrew opened our service with those words from Psalm 33, sing joyfully to the Lord and sing a new song. Well, new songs and old songs. The old ones are often good, aren't they, as well as the new ones. Some we love and some we say, well, not so sure about that. 
But our focus is to be singing to the Lord, the Lord God. We sing of his goodness, his faithfulness, his redeeming power. We're amazed and in wonder at who God is, that he should love us and deal with us as he does, that he should send his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. Now, on occasions, our enthusiasm for God perhaps goes a bit more to enthusiasm for ourselves as we sing. Too much of the I and me in the singing, and not so much of thou and you. Yet God delights, we're told, in the praises of his people, even those of us who get carried away in our delight of God. Now, the thousand tongues that sing the hymn Sing my great Redeemer's praise, or in the original John Wesley, my dear Redeemer's praise. Uh, You'll be interested to know that initially there were 18 verses in that hymn. We sang six of them, and over a thousand tongues starts at number seven. Well, there you go. And in our first reading, nobly read, I thought, by Vicky, who had a really good go at all those names, and think of all those poor people across the Church of England struggling through that first lesson throughout the land as it's the set one for the lectionary. But we heard them listening and interacting with God's word. Ezra reads, and there's a team on the platform uh, of about 10 or 11 others who are helping him, no doubt, in the reading from, it says, the very opening of the sun in the morning to midday. And also with a group of people going around, encouraging, explaining what the scriptures meant. This was a people going back, remember, into Jerusalem, having been in exile, or a second group coming back from, from far away Babylon. And we hear them listening and worshipping and praising God, as well as being penitent. And perhaps in that moment, they also sang to the Lord of his goodness. The fact that he brought them home, and in that home making, they would find new joy. No doubt they were tired listening to all that scripture, but hey, there was also great hope and joy as they heard the word of the Lord about God bringing the people out of exile in Babylon, but also those people coming out from Egypt in the book of Exodus, which no doubt was also read. And yet no doubt they were thinking of their antecedents, those who'd been some time before in captivity in Babylon, many years before, when in Psalm 137, They're asked by their captors to sing of their Lord, of Zion. They're mocking captors who want to make fun of them and say, oh, sing us one of your songs about your great God. You who are exiled here, imprisoned, as it were. And they say, how could we sing the Lord's song in such a strange land? No, we won't be mocked. We won't allow our God to be mocked. For singing to God is a holy activity. It's a place of holiness as we sing to the Lord, we sing of his love and his goodness. We're not going to be mocked into doing it. It's not surprising, is it, that the, perhaps the greatest love story in the Old Testament is called the Song of Songs. So we sing songs to God about God. They lift our spirits, they shape our theology, and they deepen us. Because in many ways what we sing is what we believe, and what we believe is what we sing. And the two together shape us and ground us and make us understand who God is and how we should respond to the living God. Yet, now you have to bear with me in a moment on this. I'm going to talk about songs that we sing to ourselves. Yes, we sing to God, but I believe we also sing songs to ourselves. We say things to ourselves about ourselves. 
in the middle of the night, perhaps when we wake up or during the day, at a moment we say things about ourselves which are not always easy to hear. Maybe they're sorts of songs about who we are and what we're about. And often they go back to what the past has been, what we've done well and what we've done badly, the things we should have done and didn't do, the things we did and, well, we got it wrong. These are sorts of types of ponderings and I'm going to call them types of songs. Because in old days, of course, people would pass on knowledge of one another through singing myths and truths and songs. For humanity values the place of singing. But in those songs, again, often we pull ourselves down. We see the negative, the dark side of ourselves. And we lose sight of those songs that we've been singing to the living God that lift us and give us hope. And as we think of those failings, I'm reminded of the great Swiss theologian and psychiatrist Paul Tournier in his book, The Strong and the Weak. He said this, looking at humanity as a whole, and think of it in terms also of some of our great leaders, as it were, in the public square at the moment. He says this, all, in fact, are weak. All are weak because all are afraid, afraid of being trampled underfoot, but more afraid of that inner weakness being discovered, afraid that they will be found out, if you like, their inner weakness will be discovered. And that wise psychiatrist saw in the human state this risk of anxiety of being found out, and we can see it in ourselves and often in our leaders. It's part of why Jesus came for us, to die for us, that we might be saved from ourselves. And of course we see the strength of Jesus in his apparent weakness on the cross, dying for us, seemingly broken and yet triumphant as he rises. And as St. Paul puts it, God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. So in our singing about ourselves, we need to move from that negativity to turn back to sing about God. For in singing to God, we find hope we find resurrection, we find new life, the new creation that he promises and makes real in our lives. And yet, as much as we sing about God and about ourselves, God sings to us. And you're pleased to know that takes us to our New Testament reading, to Luke chapter 4, where I want to spend a little bit of time looking at Jesus returning to Nazareth. It's on page 1031. Again, thank you, Vicky, for reading so well to us. Luke 14, chapter 4 through to 21. In chapter 4, at the beginning, Jesus has been tempted by the devil in the desert, and he returns to Galilee in the power of that same spirit that's helped him in the wilderness. And we read in verse 14 that he's... News about him spreads throughout the whole of Galilee. He's become a famous preacher and teacher. In all their synagogues, he's known. And everyone, it says, praises him. If you like, he's his first successful preaching tour. Uh, I don't know if he had a band with him, but it went really well. And he's feeling probably a bit tired and wants to go home to mum and dad to get a bit of R&R to recover until the next phase of his ministry. And here we note that it was his practice, as perhaps we assume, that he would go to the local synagogue each Sabbath day, and there he was, back in Nazareth, his hometown. 
and perhaps he was on the rota to preach. Presumably he had a preaching rota, maybe he was. But anyway, he was given the scroll of the law. Well, here, in fact, he chooses a scroll of the prophet Isaiah before his sermon, and he reads it. In folding it, he says these words from Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2. That the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, the oppressed going free, very much what we sang in our opening hymn, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And then, again, as would be normal, he sits down to preach and begins his sermon, we're told in verse 21, by saying, today, this scripture, this scripture of Isaiah, is fulfilled in your hearing. What an extraordinary thing to say. Jesus claiming to be this one, this one we know as the suffering servant of Isaiah 61, the one who changes the world. And Jesus says he is that one. And scholars tell us this is the first time in the Gospels that Jesus identifies himself with this suffering servant, the one who lays down his life, the one who empties himself, the one who is so damaged and yet redeems. It's earth-shattering. It changes the course of history. This is big news. Not just good news, but huge news. The world is about to change. Heaven and earth are meeting in this one person, Jesus of Nazareth. And they say, well done, in verse 22. But we're not going to go on. We're not going to hear today about his rejection. They try and throw him off a cliff a bit later. But no, we're going to stop because this is all about this proclamation, this song of God. If we go back into Isaiah, we find four places from Isaiah 42 onwards where there seems to be a special sort of poem or song, song of the servant, as the theologians call it. God singing to us a song of hope, of newness, of recovery. The beginning of Isaiah 42, we hear these words, Behold my servant, whom I uphold. A bit later in Isaiah 49 and 50, more songs from God about this suffering, wonderful servant. Culminating, of course, in Isaiah 52 and 53, the famous ones about that suffering servant. Look at it later. Then here some would see this section of Isaiah 61 as being, if you'd like, a fifth song of the servant. It's contested, but hey, this morning we're going to go with it. This is a song from God to us, uttered by Isaiah many centuries before, and now by Jesus himself, revealing himself to be the one whom God is sending, the one who will change the course of the world forever. A God who heals, a God who forgives, a God who saves, a God who makes all things new. It's an extraordinary claim, and also, as C.S. Lewis would remind us, it's an extraordinary truth, for here truth really does matter. Whether we like it or not, it is true, and for us it is indeed good news. He has been anointed to proclaim good news. He's setting us free. He's healing those who are blind, both physically and spiritually. Those oppressed by the weight of their failures and sins, he removes that from us. It is indeed the year, the year of the Lord's favour, 
a year never to be, in a sense, repeated. It's a once and always event. So I hope you're encouraged by that. You're sensing that when we sing, there are lots of dimensions to it. Yes, we sing our songs to God, and today we're doing that. And thanks so much to the team who helped to choose that. That's Simon and Vicky and Chris and Anne, and how they put their time and energy into giving us the right things to sing as we come together at nine in the morning. Hopefully not too high and difficult, but that's another story. So we sing to God in joy and in hope. But also we sing perhaps another way yet to come outwardly. So we sing to God, we sing to ourselves, we hear God sing to us, but what do we sing beyond ourselves? Last week we heard Michael reminding us, helping us to understand the Justice Cafe and it's starting soon. I think Hannah's going to be up here in a few minutes to tell us about her work with young people and her plans, exciting new plans. So how will we sing out from ourselves, from this congregation and from ourselves? Will we be supportive of all this? Will we be welcoming of those who are different and new to us? Will we be singing songs of hope to those around us in a world that is full of tension and uncertainty, whether it's Ukraine or the cost of gas or the sort of COVID outcomes? It's a world of great uncertainty and anxiety. And we have good news in Jesus. His kingdom come already in our midst, not just into the future, but his kingdom is here and now, and we are part of that kingdom. How are they going to be attracted to him through us? What values will inspire them through our good works and good lives? So as I finish, maybe what to recommend out of this wonderful passage, passage that inspires and lifts us? Well, Let's keep praising God. Let's keep coming at nine in the morning and get going, good singing and praising and worshiping and singing new and old songs here in this congregation. But hey, at home, before you come in the shower, on the bike as you're pedaling somewhere or driving the car, maybe accompanied here by an organ, but maybe not always a music group in the car, but maybe a CD or a stream or whatever you use or something, or even unaccompanied. You're allowed to sing on your own to praise the living God every day, Sunday to Saturday. And let's stop singing bad songs about ourselves. Let's try and have a good start to the year, saying, hey, no, things may be difficult and I'm realistic about myself, but I'm not gonna keep singing those songs. I'm gonna sing songs of the love of God and his concern and care for me, that Jesus has saved me. I'm in his kingdom now. I'm a new creation. God has done this. And let's keep listening to these songs from God. Not suggesting we have to sit for four hours listening to the Old Testament being read out by Ezra, but hey, let's listen to more scripture. Anna and I were on a webinar yesterday with Tom Wright from the States, and he reminded us, why don't we spend most of the time listening to the scripture instead of going on burbling with sermons, for instance, or maybe both. But let's hear more of scripture read. It's great we speak and hear the Old Testament and the New Testament here in the morning as a symbol that the whole of the Bible is really important, Old Testament and New. Not just cherry-picking little bits, but hearing the whole of God's living word. And then let's think of that song outwardly, the song we want to sing to others in the everyday, as we seek to bless them in Jesus' name. And in his name we pray.
。阿门。Thank you for listening to the St. Nick's Durham podcast. If you'd like to hear more sermons and teaching like this, then subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about St. Nick's, visit our website at stnicks.org.uk.